Want five-star service from a financial institution you can trust? Whitney Bank has you covered with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South. So stop by today. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We may have heat and mosquitoes in Baton Rouge, but we're also blessed to have beautiful surroundings and lush greenery everywhere. Much of the old growth and verdant landscaping is a natural part of the flora and fauna here in South Louisiana, but much of it is cultivated through hard work and attention to detail. How do you build a better garden? My guests today can share some tips and also tell us how they're building a business based around landscaping and gardening. Our first guest is Mitch Mays, owner of Louisiana Nursery, which was established by Mitch's father more than 33 years ago and today has three thriving locations around Baton Rouge. Louisiana Nursery specializes in gardening, lawn care, and outdoor living, and recently introduced three climate-controlled greenhouses at its Perkins Road location. Mitch, we want to hear about what makes these greenhouses so special and how they give Louisiana Nursery a competitive edge. So welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I appreciate it. My next guest is a gardener with a different mission and purpose. She is Allison Guidros, owner of Fullness Organic Farm, which grows fresh organic produce on a half-acre plot that was the site of the old Longwood Plantation off Nicholson Drive near Gardier Lane. Allison and her husband Grant started the farm, and today they grow seasonal vegetables, which they then sell at the Red Stick Farmer's Market, as well as to the local restaurants and even online. So, Allison, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. All right, Mitch, I'm going to come back to you for a minute, and Louisiana Nursery, love talking about family-owned businesses. You're the second generation. What made you want to follow in your father's footsteps, or did you have any say-so in the matter? Yes, I did. I mean, uh, obviously my dad started the business when I was in high school. Uh, he came back, he came from a corporate retail background for 25 years. And, you know, at first it was just a good job for, for uh, high school and then college. And then as time went on, I just started liking it more and more. Uh, I just got into it. My dad never forced me into it. He was very open-minded about it. It just kind of through evolution, I started loving retail. And that's, that's kind of how it started. So y'all have three huge stores there, more than two acres each. Yes. How many different varieties of, of plants and flowers do you have? Stephanie, that's one good question. <laughs> I, I know it's thousands. It, it literally may be at some point, if you counted everything we get in in a year, every different cultivar could be tens of thousands. So it's, it's a lot. There's a lot of varieties out there now. Where do, your, where do they come from? Do you all have a nursery up in the country somewhere, like I know some of them around here do? No, we, we do not grow at all. Many, many years ago, we used to grow. Uh, we realized that growing was not our thing. So what we do is, over the years, through relationships with both color growers, shrub growers, and so forth, uh, basically, they grow it for us. Uh, okay. It used to be a contract grow. 
now we don't have a contract. We just, they come to us ahead when they need to know. When we say what he wants to grow, we say this is what you want you to grow in these quantities. So Different suppliers. Absolutely. So, yeah, we have some local growers to do that, and uh, we have some, some regional, not national growers. We buy from some national growers, uh, but uh, we buy... Those growers are in Louisiana and Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Okay, now what is the market like here competitively? Um, well, it's, it's it, overall nationwide and also in Baton Rouge, the lawn and garden industry is a very healthy market. What I mean by that is the total dollars nationwide done in lawn and garden is close to 50% box stores and close to 50% independently owned garden centers. Mm -hmm. It may sway time to time one way or the other, but it's a very healthy market. Obviously, like all markets, there's been uh, peaks and valleys. Uh, in the Baton Rouge market, our recession was 11, 12, and 13. Customers seemed to pull back on disposable income. They weren't as motivated as they were before. Nationwide, the, the recession was a lot longer than that. We were lucky in Baton Rouge and actually t South Texas and South, Bat uh, South Louisiana where the recession was much shorter. Customers are very motivated right now. They're very, uh, People they're spending are buying. money. Absolutely. In now, tell us about the greenhouses that I mentioned because that was a big deal for y'all and what makes them so unique? Well, Stephanie, we, you know, our Perkins location, we've been needing to upgrade the greenhouse, the color uh, greenhouses a long time and I just kind of. When you say color, you mean annuals, flowers. Annuals, perennials, flowers, okay. all that type of stuff. And. You know, we needed to upgrade that a long time ago. I just kind of drug my feet on it. So finally, when I finally said, okay, we got to do something, we kind of went all the way. So we really hired uh, maybe the best national greenhouse company, actually international company, and uh, we, we had them build a state-of-the-art greenhouse. And really, it's just a much uh, you know, more beautiful f uh, facility. But, but when it comes to cutting edge or state-of-the-art, uh, it has a computerized weather station. It knows the temperature, the wind, the humidity, the sun, uh, foot candles all the time, and it will adjust the vents, the fans, the shade cloth, and so forth, even the sides coming up, depending on the weather condition. So it's better for people that are in there, the shoppers and our p employees, but it's also much better for plants. That is fantastic. Well, speaking of unique, Allison, your whole business model is unique, and in these parts, an organic farm in the middle of the city. You and your husband were both farmers. How, how did you come to this idea? Well, I'd have to say it started while we were at LSU. We both graduated from LSU. Uh, my husband, Grant, started uh, in finance, and we started LSU uh, in 07. So there was a big financial crash. Right. And so we just started thinking, you know, being able to grow your own food for yourself and your friends and family just became something where it's like, it will always have value. There's not a lot of people doing it here. And it fit us. I didn't I didn't know growing up this is what I was gonna do, but it fits both of us really well. What were you studying at the time? I was I started out uh, biology and then switched <laughs> to psychology. So um, it, I guess it helps us, but I was able, with psychology, there was a lot of um, electives, so I took a lot of horticulture classes, got involved with um, community gardens in Old South Baton Rouge, okay. and so kind of got involved in it that way. And while in college, we had a business putting in um, organic raised beds for people, too. So, so you sort of learned as, as you went? Definitely. What are you growing on the farm? So we specialize and focus on growing uh, spring mix, baby greens, herbs, edible flowers, and microgreens. But we grow 
similar to you, we have a, a really wide variety of things that we grow. It varies throughout the season. We grow a lot of different types of each thing. So now we have a lot of tomatoes and peppers and eggplant and squash and cucumbers and all that kind of thing too. But we're still trying to maximize the time that we can grow our spring mix and baby the things that we really specialize sure. and we try to grow it as much of the year as possible and so it's just been sort of trial and error and sort of just feeling out the, the seasonality um, and the market uh, work demand working on other farms was really helpful for us as far as developing our idea and our business model about what we wanted to grow so uh, the first farm we worked on was uh, Inglewood is in it's in Alexandria and so Grant would come down to Baton Rouge and sell at the farmer's market. And so through that, we got a really good idea about what the market wanted, okay. what the people wanted. Um, organic was a really big thing. Um, things that were washed and ready, that's kind of differentiates us that all of our products we wash. So, you know, we feel like if people are already coming to the market <laughs> on Saturday morning, buying from a local farmer, choosing organic, the least we can do is have it, that have is it so ready for wonderful. <laughs> so the greens are already washed and ready to go. That's right. Because that soil grit that you sometimes get on those great. It's tough to get out. It's tough to get out. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So you sell at the Red Stick Farmer's That's Market. Right. We know that. Um, do, are you selling to restaurants directly yet? Yes. So wonderful. we started right off the bat, um, Elton and Randy at Nino's. Oh, they're great. I mean, he has my invoice number one is to Elton <laughs> at <laughs> Nino's. And so they've been supporting us from the get-go. And and now that we've we've added on a few more restaurants. So we've uh, started selling to the Merchant, to Lesane's. Excellent. Um, and so, but our real focus was to get the people at the farmer's market fulfilled. You know, we mm -hmm. want to make sure we filled out that market before we spread ourselves too thin. Sure. And then what about local sup supermarkets? Some of the AG stores, are they carrying y'all? Um, not yet, but um, we do sell uh, through Indie Plate. Which, yes, um, that's great. They they buy from uh, local, local farms. They put the availability online and then customers can go online, order. There's no minimum order, free delivery. How do you make a living off of half an acre? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> it is our is sole income. Is the jury income. still out on it, this question? But that was our goal from the get-go was yeah. to have a business. And so, like all businesses, part of it is keeping your costs down mm -hmm. um, and focus. we really focus on growing the most profitable crops. So, like our spring mix, you can grow a large quantity in a small amount of space. It's a quick crop, so in 30 days you can seed it. We get a harvest of microgreens in two weeks. We harvest our first spring mix cutting and we usually get two to three cuttings off of it and so anyway in a 50 foot row we can grow about um over over the whole cutting probably about 75 pounds of of greens and so um so focusing on the really profitable crops and tightly managing how we how we run the farm and also it's just the two of us so you don't have a lot of labor. Don't have a lot of labor. We keep our costs down, you know, and um, we don't have a lot of, you know, we just have a two-wheel tractor, not a big tractor, and everything is just appropriately scaled for our, our, our size. And for now, eventually, I suppose the hope would be to grow. To, to an extent. To, uh, sorry, to an extent. So we've cleared out some land, and we'll be adding 
um, we'll be doubling production in this in, f in the fall, and we just bought some greenhouses as well, which will not as sophisticated as yours. I'm <laughs> jealous, um, but uh, but that'll definitely increase the quality and quantity we're able to grow and extend our seasons. I, I mean, I love both of these these businesses, family agrarian businesses, and back to basics. I mean, the real like roots of sustainability of our existence, but. Technology today is so important in in what you do. Um, what kind of role does that play, and and how up to how up to speed are we in this market? You know, with having the latest and and what you really need to guard against I guess, pests and climate change and everything. I'll start there and say first of all, individually, I'm not a technology person, but mm -hmm. uh, I will say that technology, as all businesses, is very important for us. We have, for example, our point of sale system at our stores, our checkout system, and everything is the best in our industry, it's very expensive, but I happen to be a big numbers person, so the, the information we're able to extract out of it real time, all the time, is unbelievable. Uh, you know, it, in the world today, in any business you're in, if you are not, you know, moving forward on technology, then you're moving backwards because mm -hmm. everybody else is moving forward. So it is essential, uh, you know, even our consumers want to check out quickly, convenience is a big deal, they want to be accurate. We can look into our system, and I can really everything's there for me to find out, depending on uh, you know how I want to look at it. But it, it's essential for us. Yeah, we use a point of sale system that at the farmers market check people out on an iPad. Um, it's just a Square app. I mean, it's really simple. But um, at the end of the day, I can get a report and know exactly how many bags of kale I sold. That's great. See the high points in the market. You know, I thought. Just thinking about the market, I thought that at 8 o'clock was the biggest rush, but no, 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we want to make sure we have the product there when people are coming. And so it gives us all that information that's invaluable for making decisions. I was going to add on to something, not about technology, but about edibles and about her business. I will tell you two things important. One, from 07 through 13, even into 14, when there was a big lawn and garden recession, where consumers over a five-year, six-year span. It was that long. Yeah, huh? it nationally it was that long. And uh, Lawn and Garden total revenue done by box stores and independent garden centers went down 20% over that span. No but kidding. I will say that the one category that exploded during that time was edibles. Just like she said, everything else went down, but people started growing their own was it food. because they were financially strapped or because they felt the need to reconnect to the basics? And I, I, th I think <coughs> that's it. I think yeah. people pull back on, on some of the luxuries, but they say, you know, we could grow our own uh, edibles and it's going to be more reasonably priced and it's going to be really good, taste good. Another thing about it that's also important, especially for us and for you, is that millennials, if you ask the question, any, what in, what topic interests you in, in lawn and garden? And the number one answer way up here in second place is down here is edibles. They, the edibles is their thing. So it is very important to us. Obviously, it's very important to her. And it is definitely the future of, of both our industries. Y'all have increased the amount of edible you know, products immensely, that you carry? Immensely. Really? Uh, we probably today, compared to 10 years ago, probably do three times the revenue in edibles than we used to. Maybe That's four so times. interesting. Yeah. Well, I want to pick, I want to continue with this, but first just to change gears for a minute and do what we call the checklist. It's that part of the show where I ask you each a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. So Allison, I'll start with you. What really drives your business? For us, um, 
we really focus on getting our customers the best quality food that we can. So for us, that means we really focus on the soil and the minerals that are in our soil, how we grow it, because the minerals that are in your soil then translates, they're in your food. Mm -hmm. And so our goal is to grow the most nutrient dense food that we can for our friends and family. And so that's what quality is our main focus. Yeah. And, and the soil quality out at the Longwood site is, is very good. I it is one of our best assets. So we're so close to the river yeah. that we have the old alluvial river silt. So we've seen our, the soil tests from all the farms we worked on. And when we got the soil test in, I'm, the mineral content is w not double, it's five times what was on any other um, Wow. any other farm that we worked on, which you only have so, your soil only has so much potential. So we're just starting in a better place. And then uh, the soil, soil's holding capacity, it's called the cation exchange, but it's the ability of the soil to hold more minerals is mm -hmm. extremely high. So if we do add more minerals to the soil, the soil's able to take it in, make it available for the plants. So it then translates into the nutrients that are in your plants. That is so fascinating. All right, well Mitch, here's a checklist question for you. How has your management style evolved over time? Wow, <laughs> it definitely has evolved. I would say, you know, m as I said, my, my father started our business when I was in high school. So obviously as time went on, I learned a lot with a capital A from my father. And my father obviously being a different generation than me, uh, his style was more, he was very intelligent in our business. He knew retail really well because he was in it, as I said, in corporate retailing in a past life, I, I say. so. Now, I didn't know it was called that then, but now I call it micromanage. He basically told our people, we need to do this, this is because, you know, this is the reason how we do it, and they did what he said. And that's how we, he built our business, and in turn, I learned a lot from him, so that's the way, I guess, I managed for a long time. But as we grew, and as I, you know, read a lot of things and saw a lot of other uh, businesses operate, we realized, I realized, and he realized, we realized that, you know, we're not going to, that's not the long-term answer. Yeah. So as time evolved, basically, you know, and especially now, because I took over the business about seven years ago, um, you know, I talked to my decision makers, my management, we talk about uh, results, we talk about what the plan is, but really, I let them make decisions. That's great. You know, so, and it's, we've, we've been on that, it's a long, sort of a long, uh, evolution and so long planned to make happen, but we've come a long ways and you know we have some really good people. And of course, sometimes you make bad decisions, but that's how you learn. I wanted to ask you about your workforce because they do seem very knowledgeable. Do they have degrees in horticulture or is it a variety of people? Is it just experience uh, they learn by doing? A few of the people we have have degrees, but I will tell you that uh, in we hadn't talked about that, but really the secret to our success at Louisiana Nursery, 100% is our employees. We have, it's almost an anomaly, we have one of the most tenured, experienced, not just retail gardens in the United States, I would argue some of the most experienced, tenured employees in the, in the whole country in retail. Uh, our three store management with us 34, 30, and 29 years. Wow. We have 25 people with us over 15 or 20 years. That's great. Uh, we just uh, had a girl uh, left us to move back to Texas to take care of her parents was with us 19 years. It's pretty incredible. So we have people, most people just learned it on the job experience. People that love plants and love people and learned at the stores. 
Now, I know y'all's business is, is very sort of cyclical or seasonal, I guess, because of the, the weather. And, and this would be a, a boom time. Spring, summer are, are very busy. And then I guess in the summer it gets really hot. What do you do when it's when it's it's hot and dry and the vegetables aren't growing as well or the flowers start to wither? Yeah, our business is, to give you a quick business model, we make money four and a half months a year. Is that it? We make money March, April, May, late November, December. Yeah. The rest of the year, uh, June and October are kind of break even months, give or take. And the other six months of the year, we lose net, I mean, we lose a lot of, I mean, January is, it's if dead, I show huh? you my financials, <laughs> you would say, but it's just the way it goes. It's, it's really cyclical, as you said. So we have to do as well as we can during the busy times. And then we have to just, you know, go as lean and, and, and try to lose l the least amount of money as we can. So you're losing money some months, you're breaking even two months, and then you have to make enough money those other four months to make the whole year Correct. profitable. And for us in May, after Mother's Day, the business begins to go down. I mean, at, since Mother's Day, the business is, since before is down about 25%, which is natural. Right. Starts getting warmer, starts getting too hot. And a lot of people, it starts getting hot, they don't want to do yard work. Yeah. Or a lot of people are in the back of their mind looking for excuses not to do that project <laughs> outside, not to cut the grass. <laughs> so, you know, rain is a good excuse and hot, too hot and is, it is too, true. Is a good it excuse. does it does start to rain a lot, it gets yeah. hot. And then yeah. if, you, if you're doing a vegetable garden or a flower garden, you're supposed to plant in the spring, right? And Cor not in the summer. If you're doing a spring crop, yeah. Fall mm -hmm. crop, you would plant late summer for fall, which obviously she could tell you more than I could on that. Well, Allison, how, how do y'all cope when the, when the weather gets bad? I know when I go yeah. to the farmer's market in August, it's depressing pretty lean um yeah so we're actually gonna structure in where we take a break so um up north people take a break in the winter winter growing here is amazing for vegetables you it's the bugs are are really low diseases it's just easy growing and so we really capitalize on the cool season crops and um and so we're actually even as we're planting now um We've actually put in all of our crops that we'll have for the summer, and we'll just kind of ride it out and okay. build in taking probably about a month off in the in farm, probably August, like okay. you're saying, um, because it's so it's just hard on hard on us, hard <laughs> on the crops, you know. It's and really it's good for your soil to rest. It's good for the farmers to rest, just to like take some time, think about the year, come back with a good plan for the next year, and then hit it hard. We, c we think of our year starting about when school season, school starts. You so know, I, I know not only in the olden days, but today with, with commercial agriculture, you will have bad years when you mm. have floods or right. late winters or something like that. Is there any way around it at your small gardening level? I mean, yeah, is there any way to protect against we that? We do. We have, uh, we, we do several different methods to, um, so, for us to stay on schedule, we plant every Monday. So we plant our spring mix and our baby greens every Monday. Every Monday. Mm -hmm. That's because we're harvesting every week. So you, we need to have the fresh crops coming on. So we use a lot of different techniques to stay on schedule. We've, uh, we use old Lamar billboards that we'll bring out over our beds to just keep them dry. So if, it, if there's a heavy rain, then we can't work the soil, we can't plant. So we'll bring those out to, to keep the soil dry. And then if it's gonna rain really hard, we don't have our greenhouses yet, but that's what we'll do. Um, we'll use the greenhouses a lot, but now we use what's called a low tunnel. So we- low tunnel, mm -hmm. okay. So it's, we've bent, uh, it's actually EMT, electrical piping. Mm -hmm. So we've bent uh, this pipe that'll fit over two beds. And then we put um, a fabric over it so that we can, it's really for the heavy rains to protect the baby green. So, I mean, it can, 
when you have our rains here are just I mean it's like almost like you're getting hail <laughs> or something you know what I mean it's really so torrential yeah it's really hard on the crop so it the fabric that we use still allows some moisture to get through but it basically just dissipate dissipates the drop so it kind of comes into it into the crops so it's like, like it a fine roots their their leaves and exactly. so this is based on research that y'all have done or technology used elsewhere right you're not yeah. just making it up Right. There was a really influential book that we read while we were in at a farm in Arkansas called The Market Gardener by a guy, his name is Jean-Martin in um, Canada. And he uses a lot of these techniques, kind of, we adjusted it for our, you know, Canada and South Louisiana have very different challenges. But so we've taken things that we've learned on farms, things that we've read in books, um, things we've seen on other farms, maybe that we hadn't worked on, but just visited and kind of combine them in our own way to make it work for us here. That's so great. Mitch, where, what are your long-term goals for Louisiana nursery and where do you hope to be in five years? Wow, in five years. Um, you know, we used to have four stores. We closed an old location about three years ago uh, on Florida Boulevard. We, we did, uh, my father and I actually just purchased a piece of commercial property last fall in Livingston Parish so that will be a future site of ours uh, over by Jubin. Oh, excellent. Uh, so, you know, I would say that four stores is going to be my limit. I'm not looking to rule the world. You know, as she talked about early on, better's better, not bigger's not better. And the bigger you are, it is just harder and harder to be as good as you can be. And I feel like overall we have made a lot of progress in how we operate our business and all the things that we do, especially if I look back 10, 15, 20 years ago, I look back and say, oh my God, what, what were we thinking then? Yeah. You know? But we still got a long ways to go. And, I, and, and we're especially the last few years, we're really kind of the metabolism of some of the changes we're making are, are pretty quick. But I would say four locations uh, in around Baton Rouge and, and Denham and, and, and Ascension Parish. And actually my goal in life, and we just had a meeting with some of my people about this, you know, my goal in life is not make as much money as I can make. My goal in life is to have a business that I'm proud of, which I am, and have a lot of employees that are happy and love our business. And that makes wonderful. me happy. So that's what my goals are. I'm so glad to hear that. What about you, Allison? Is Fullness Organic Farm a one-off deal, or do you hope to expand, grow beyond a half acre? Yeah, we, um, we think of getting to about an acre and a half at, at this location. Um, we've thought a lot about... Um, basically having a model that can be replicated. Mm -hmm. So developing this small scale efficient model that um, we can do. I mean, when you just think about South Louisiana, the market in New Orleans is insatiable. I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Lafayette, Baton between those three cities, it, there's a huge demand and not a whole lot of producers. And so we think about developing a model that works really well and kind of spinning off people. I don't know how it'll look, you know, but um, we think about getting this one really tightly managed, maybe training somebody up to manage it, and then we can go and, and start another farm. Maybe another farm in Baton Rouge. Maybe franchise it. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So. Well, unfortunately, that's all we have time for, but Mitch Mays and Allison Guidros, you're both helping to make Baton Rouge a better looking place and a healthier place to live, and it's great that you can pursue your passion and support yourself at it while enhancing the local quality of life. So thanks for sharing your stories today on Out to Lunch. Thank, Thank you, you so much. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Mitch Mays of Louisiana Nursery and Allison Guidros of Fullness Organic Farm. 
You can find out more about Louisiana Nursery and Fullness Organic Farm by following the links on our website. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's latest album, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base joneswalker.com and by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. Want five-star service from a financial institution you can trust? Whitney Bank has you covered with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South. So stop by today. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC.